Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Nourished Brain Wellness Podcast. It is an absolute wonderful episode for you today and we can't wait for you to listen. We have Steph Maraglia, author of Redesign Your Mind, Tools and Inspiration for Positive Mental Health on with us today. He's also a wellness blogger of the website Wellness of Health. So you can check all that stuff out in our description below. It's a great episode about how to bring a positive mental attitude to your life, giving you a little bit better control over the anxiety, stressful situations, all of the things life throws at us. Great epi, wonderful guy to have on the show. Can't wait to get that to you. First, I want to tell you to go follow us on Instagram. If you're not doing it, you're missing out. We've recently got into video on IGTV. Check those videos out. They should be great and we'll be bringing you more of those. And if you're not playing our nourished brain games, then you're really not treating your brain right. So make sure that you're over there following us, engaging Slide into our DMs. Tell us what you want to hear on the podcast. We're always willing to listen. Sign up for the Nourished newsletter to make sure that you're staying up to date with all things Nourished. Let's get that legal out of the way. This is not medical advice and should not replace regular visits with a medical professional. Absolute fire episode. So without further ado, let's get into it. We're here with Steph Maraglia. He is a wellness blogger with the website wellnessofhealth.com and author of Redesign Your Mind, Tools and Inspiration for Positive Mental Health. Great to have him on today. Hey, Greg. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. So first, I know that your journey and your uh, struggle with wellness is a big part of why you wrote this book. Can you tell us about your journey? Yeah, for sure. So... I've probably had a different experience to other people in that I was your classic overachiever. Everything was easy for me in, in school and first job. Um, I was making a lot of money, had a lot of friends, and, and things like anxiety and depression, I kind of thought they were for um, people that might have been a bit more weak or you know, it wasn't something that I've ever really dealt with. And then when I was a little bit older, in my mid-20s, and things like trying to keep up with society versions like see, pressures came with work and trying to chase goals that weren't really mine, um, anxiety and depression set on. And it was really challenging because I never really dealt with it before and having to um, you know, first accept that that's what was going on and then do something about it was really challenging. Trying it in with my thoughts, that's what I wanted to help everyday people with. And so it's all good to say it's okay to not be okay, but what are your values and beliefs and what can you do to help yourself um, get through these challenges? What were some of the signals to you that 
Okay. How did you recognize that you weren't uh, as well as you thought you were? Yeah, it's a great, great question because I had no idea, I guess, mentally. It was all physical symptoms. So, you know, at first there was things like feeling sick and nauseous and, um, uh, you know, then headaches and tension and, and I just thought there was something wrong with me. And that's one of the things I talk about in the book, that I just denied, denied, denied that it was anxiety or depression. And some of these um, psychosomatic symptoms um, are brought on and that eventually I accepted, okay, I'm not dying or touch wood of cancer or something like that. This is brought on by my thoughts. So I know that one of the things that you do to combat those thoughts is have a positive mental attitude. How do you cultivate that type of attitude? Yeah, it takes a lot of practice and a lot of time to um, cultivate it. So the main thing you can do is to start rewriting your thoughts. So the way I see our mind, and that's why my book is called Redesign Your Mind, our minds are somewhat programmed by our environment around us and society as well. So you can reprogram that. And a simple way just to give yourself that belief is think back a 100 years ago and a lot of your values or things you believe are very different to today. So it tells me that someone can change that based on what they're programming. Um, so that's a big part of um, the mental side um, of rewriting that. So. Yeah, and then also physically there's things to do as well, but that's the mental side. Mm -hmm. I agree. I, I think we are just sensory processing beings, that the way we experience the world has formed some core beliefs, core values, and processes that we interact with the world really because of, of our answers and how we were developed, that you use memories and, and experiences to form future thinking and how you're going to interact in the future to interact better. Sometimes that can be detrimental if you're you're dealing with situations not in the most healthy manner. You build a bunch of defense mechanisms or so that those now manifest as unhealthy behaviors. And and reprocessing the way you think about the world and reframing it can be very beneficial. What are some of the core values that you develop that have been more beneficial in your life? Yeah, I think having a focus on happiness and a lot of the things things that I was paid younger, I thought would make me happy, uh, but they wouldn't. So, you know, values like, and I guess it's redesigning some of those values too. Like, I'm still a very ambitious person, but what ambition means to me is very different now. It's not about having a, a high-flying job and lots of money and being seen as someone that's really, um, I don't know, like respected in that sense. It's more about, okay, I want to work hard so I can provide for my family, friends, and lifestyle and can have that balance with health, you know, good times and, and working for a purpose. So I think it's, yeah, the values of happiness and also giving back as well and just sharing that journey with more people, whereas before my values were about being the best, now it's more about sharing that with other people. Uh, I think that's a really good point. A lot of people view mental health issues 
more from a depressive side that people don't think they have value, they don't think they have worth, and it's really about trying to work with them to, to see that value in themselves. But on the other side of things, people who are almost too ambitious, who who put so much pressure on themselves that every little mistake is the end of the world, that they're, they have to be perfect, experience a lot of similar mental health issues on the anxiety side of the spectrum and realizing that you know, we're only on this earth for so long and that, that to make the most out of it and to be as really happy as possible as opposed to as necessarily productive as possible, you know, and, and maybe production does provide happiness to you in it and in those ways. But it is interesting to think about how you can reframe these goals. You mentioned the word purpose, that like purpose has really been a, a grounding experience for you. Uh, what types of things have you found to help provide purpose for you? Yeah, um, and I guess tying that in with what you before, before my purpose was being a perfectionist and the best, and that has no real meaning behind it. You know, why are you trying to do those is what you have to think about. And I was doing those things because things like family, friends, and experiences are my purpose. And I found that tying in with uh, my family goals and my friendship goals and giving back to people, uh, what happens in the ground and how you get there doesn't matter as much. It's more finding that meaning. And there's you know other good books like Man's Search for Meaning by uh, Victor Frankl. You know, talks about in the, the concentration camp, the ones that could find their meaning, their reason why they want to live, uh, got through it. And the ones that lost hope and lost meaning, um, unfortunately, didn't make it in cases. So, you know, for me, it's just finding what is it that you want to do, not what society tells you you should be doing, whether it's having a house or a relationship or whatever. What is it that's, you know, in five years' time is going to make you happy? And that's what you have to set out to um, spend your time and energy on. Exactly. I see it a lot in my profession, in the health profession, specifically in residency, which is a very time-consuming, busy time period in people's lives. And a profession that has a lot of prestige, you know, being a doctor or physician has a lot of prestige to it, but residency burnout is a growing issue that people, we put all this time investing in our training, and just as the, the person's going to be self-sufficient is when they burn out. And part of the reasoning is because they they lose that meaning of, helping patients, that they're here to provide care, that they're providing a service to their patients, and it becomes a lot more focused on they're not good enough, they're not succeeding, they're not doing well, they're sleep-deprived, and, and all those issues, you look at burnout, and one of the major things to combat, combat burnout is to help provide meaning and show the importance of the work that these residents are doing. Yes, spot on. And um, for me... I mean, I look at now, my life is busier now than when I was most stressed out and in the dump. And because I've got that meaning, uh, my energy levels are totally fine and, you know, I'm cruising through it. But like you said, when that burnout happens and you lose that faith or that reason why, um, or you feel that you're just a, a hog in the wheel, that's when you're going to fall apart. Yeah. Another thing I think you touch on a lot is, is how society can put these pressures on you. There's really an emphasis on being super fit, super skinny, super healthy. And at some point, these pressures become unhealthy and they put you into a lifestyle that 
isn't healthy, isn't giving you energy, isn't letting you flourish. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, I mean, a spoiler from my book is that the first key moment, for me, I was actually traveling to the United States for a holiday with my brother and, and best friend. And I was sick on the plane. And because um, my body, I was so worried about it, I mean, let's say it was probably eight years ago, and I was you know, trained five days a week, and I was very uh, muscly and all of that. And I thought that that was so important, that I was getting sick and throw up and you know not be, I guess, um, in the best shape when I landed to go and meet the United States. And that's how vain I was in that point. So. Um, for me, society had a massive influence on me. And I guess as a young person as well, you know, we are um, influenced too much by society. So, and that's what people like yourself and me, we aim to do now and say, look, you know, what other people matter, uh, what other people think, it's all about what you think. You're happy in yourself. And it's okay to want to look good and do good, but don't give the power to other people to make you feel happy. You need to be happy within yourself. Yeah, that's a very powerful thought is to find realization and okay and comfort in whatever you desire and you desire for intrinsic reasons that, you know, being healthy feels good. Eating a lot of vegetables, eating fruits, I feel much healthier than when I eat fast food every day. So I do it for those reasons and not necessarily because... I'm trying to look super fit or I'm trying to, to do what society tells me to do. And you do it for your own reasons, to feel good, to, to feel healthy, to live a long life. Those are all reasons that you want to do these things. And sometimes you let other people dictate why you're doing things. It, you know, Doing good things for the wrong reasons can cause a lot of problems in themselves. I know that you do yoga and meditation to deal with a lot of these stressors. Could you tell me more about that practice? Yeah, definitely. Um, so my job, I'm usually sitting at a desk or sitting in front of clients, and you're very bored and hunched up sitting at a desk for 10 hours a day. So yoga was great in just freeing up my mind, uh, sorry, freeing up my body in the sense that it was also connecting my mind to my body. And for me, Yoga has been massive in the sense of also testing yourself. You know, when your mind is strong, your body is strong in terms of holding certain poses and things like that. And you might be gym strong or lifting weights strong, but you might not be strong in the sense of yoga sense. And tying that in with meditation, all those people that are overly ambitious, fast thinkers, always busy in their mind. Meditation was huge in terms of slowing that down. And it will take you know, months to slow down, but you really do need to be practicing. And when I saw a psychologist in the early days, he really helped me with saying that your mind is like a, a, a spinning wheel. And when you disengage that, it's going to feel like it's even going faster before it starts to slow down. So a lot of people give up before they give it the chance to slow down. So I would say to people, just keep trying and if you can do it, you know, 15 minutes a day minimum, you will see the benefits in time. Yeah, I think that's a really good point uh, to talk about it as practice because I know a lot of people who say, oh, I can't meditate. My mind's moving too fast. I get distracted too easily. 
And it's okay. Nothing we do are we ever great at the first time. You know, every time we start a diet, it's really hard. Every time we start exercising, it's really hard. Same way with training our brain. And I think you mentioned this a lot as like going to the gym. You might not be great at first, but if you can do it a little bit, three minutes, five minutes, 50 monitors, just acknowledge that and bring it back. And with practice, you get better and then you can control it and you feel a little bit more at ease. I personally use meditation a lot myself and I really find it helpful. For all of these things, people, just like a diet, fall off the wagon. You know, they, they have setbacks. Is there anything that you say to people who have almost a relapse of anxiety? Mm-hmm. It's something, a big fear of mine too, because now I'm a, a wellness blogger and a mental health advocate, and I fear that, you know, a new pressure that I need to be a role model to these people, and I can't relapse. So one thing I made sure I did very early on was tell myself, it's okay to relapse or it's okay to um, have crap days. And I drew a graph in the book where you know, the highs and lows of life are still going to come. But all we want to do is kind of catch it before the lows get low. So if you can do that, you're doing awesome. Um, and I think even you know anxiety and depression, they're like a big bully. So if you tell the bully to go away and to stop and fear that bully comes back, it's going to come back just as hard. But if you say, you know what, it's okay, um, I can deal with it, the bully's going to get bored and move on. That's the easiest way for me to get people. Mm-hmm. It's a really good point and a good metaphor that people can connect with. Um, I think part of you, part of your storyline is this failure is not the end result and growth mindset that every failure is a learning experience to grow. Can you tell me about how you feel like that has impacted your life? Yeah, great. Um, Staying on my vision board, I've got one of Yoda's quotes for all the Star Wars fans, um, you know, failure, our greatest teacher is. And um, for me, failure was death when I was younger. Failing something was labeling myself a loser or, um, you know, no longer successful. So, um, what you have to understand is think of it if you're playing a game with your friends and you're the best player in the game. You're not going to win every time. Even if you're really good, you might win eight out of ten. I don't know. But you're going to lose sometimes. You're going to learn sometimes. So for me, failure, I've redesigned into a learning experience. And have I done everything I could have possibly so that failure didn't uh, shouldn't have happened? But if it did, I just need to take the learning step that is a part of my process. Step till eight times and then the ninth time did, did you really fail eight times? Or was those eight times practice or learning or building or contributing to your ninth time success? So that page can redesign it as a positive thing. Is there any way that you found to make wellness a habit, to make wellness a lifestyle? <laughs> yeah, it is now. I mean, you, you really have to build it into your uh, routine. It's as simple as that. And a lot of people have excuses, uh, don't have time, um, I'm too busy. Um, but for me, that's your mind putting up its defense mechanism. 
right? It's just saying uh, that it's okay not to worry about it. But if you really want to embrace it, you have to make time. If it means that you then always less sleep each day because you're spending half an hour at the gym and then half an hour meditating or maybe 20 minutes meditating and 10 minutes writing out your thoughts, well, I can guarantee you that one hour less sleep, that hour of, of time on yourself is going to be massive. Um, so you really need to prioritize um, your well-being if you want it to happen. Yeah, I think those are some really good points. Is there any other things that you want to impart on our listeners? I think, um, you know, well, just have fun with it as well. So I think a lot of times I take things too seriously and learning that, you know, you don't have to do everything at once, build it in and, um, you know, find out what makes you happy, what you want to achieve and put yourself on that path. Even if it's a long road to get there, and, you know, you have to go back and study or whatever you have to do to live the life you want to live, get on that path because that is going to be the best thing to do for Yeah, exactly. And you don't want being well to feel like work. It should be it should be a fun part of your life. So, again, your book is Redign Your Mind, Tools and Inspiration for Positive Mental Health. You can pick it up on Amazon. It's a great read. Thanks for coming on with us today. All right, thanks. Thanks, Pete, for having me, and thanks for listening. So that's all that we have for you today. Make sure to hit those like buttons, those subscribe buttons, give us some comments, give us five stars. You know the whole deal. We absolutely love our Nourish community, and we hope you love us back. As always, stay nourished. Thank <laughs> you.